Jason. Today's episode of the Lee's Summit Town Hall podcast is brought to the good people by Budget Blinds of Lee's Summit. Budget Blinds! Boy, that was, that was kind of lackluster. Where was your enthusiasm? I'm in my office at like far away from Lee Summit today. I, like I think maybe the distance from Budget Blinds has impacted my enthusiasm. I feel I feel more excited when I'm closer to their to their location. Well, Jason, I have good news for you because the purveyors of Signature Series Shades. Guess what's happening in just a month? Uh, we're going to be actually new location. A, a new, new location. location is coming to Overland Park. A new storefront is coming to Overland Park in May. So then even if you're far away or your friends that choose to live in that other weird state across the line, they can meet our friends. They can, too, hail the Johnson County Robot Shade Overlords. So look, if you are ready to make your home a smart home, go visit our friends, Budget Blinds of Lee Summit. Jason, you know what they should do? I bet so, I know. Tell them Jason next to you. Hello again, and welcome to Lee Summit Town Hall, a weekly podcast about what you can do to make a difference. I'm Jason Norbury, and as always, I am joined by a man who is out here just disrupting everybody's schedule. That's me, an agent of chaos. Nick Parker is the publisher of Link to Lee Summit. Look, I'm just saying, like, you you have, like, your kids on spring break, and you're like, I don't want to work in the evening because I want to spend time with my child and be a good dad, and my workday gets all out of whack because of your commitment to being a quality human being. Look, once, maybe twice a year, I, I like to be present in my child's life. That is, that is um, I don't know if the word admirable really fits, but we're going to go with that one. <laughs> that is, I'll air quote it here, admirable uh, that you wear that. Our unofficial sponsor today is Tacos, which, as you will find out, is essentially the clear winner of campaign season. That's true. That's true. I think if there is one thing to be proud of for most of the candidates this time around, they chose hashtag wisely. Vote, hashtag vote tacos. <laughs> hey jason not a lot going on right now except for the fact that you know it is election season we've got a week left it's almost over but before we get into some of that stuff i want to bring back lily summit town hall good on yes yes a good on you to the martin luther lutheran church here in lee summit jason uh we had we had a chance to do our pop-up uh Taco Kitchen again this last weekend. We did it for a, an outdoor picnic event at Martin Luther Lutheran Church, and we accepted donations for Lee Summit Social Services. And did you know what happened? This small group donated almost $1,200 in cash for Lee Summit Social Services. So good on you to this church. That is absolutely correct. They, I mean, look. When we do these events, we 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 do count on the excessive generosity of our uh, of the people who come and uh, and eat the tacos or or take part in the in the event and and the people at Martin Luther Lutheran uh, really over the top with their uh, with their thing. Although I th I will say this, since this is the second time that you and I have cooked in this form in conjunction with Matt, who shall remain muzzled on this particular podcast. Uh, we th we raised more money this time 
than last time and we were only serving taco-based items, not hamburger-based items. So therefore, clearly what we understand is that tacos are better than burgers. The people, they want their tacos. They want their tacos. So all that being said, thanks, guys, uh, to Martin Luther Lutheran Church, to the Coachmans, uh, the pastors there at the church for inviting us in and for their that whole group's support of Lee Summit Social Services. Double good on you from us. Jason, I got another note. This one is not particularly uh, hyper-local focused, just Lee Summit, but I'm excited because do you know what happens tomorrow? It is one uh, of my favorite days of the year. I have no idea. What do you got? It's opening day, man. Oh, right. Look. Back. The look, Royals I, take the field. COVID has ruined many things, and including my sort of inherent baseball, baseball-centered sense of the seasons. Like, <laughs> you know, last year they, they didn't play for months, and then they threw this condensed thing at the end, and there was some stuff that happened. I have no idea, right? I mean, like, literally last baseball season, I have no idea what happened in it at all. Like, spring came but like spring still meant we were stuck at home we didn't have anywhere we we couldn't go I you and I talked about that like boy I'd love to be able to get in the car and just drive to Arizona but that's not gonna happen so I am I'm literally I was when when this showed up in the show notes I was surprised I had no <laughs> idea baseball season was that close it happens tomorrow now look there's a lot of us that aren't going to be able to watch because limited crowd capacity at the stadium and because apparently Major League Baseball is still stuck in the dark ages. They have their blackout rules and the new TV provider is only playing nice with like two or three of the uh, servicers. So basically they hate streaming. Is so look, version. they hate streaming. If you want, if you aren't one of the 10,000 or so lucky enough to be in the stadium on Thursday, if you want to watch your best bet, Mask up and go visit one of your local establishments and watch from a sports bar or something. That's my suggestion. That's a a high bar. All right. Here, uh, one other note. We have another thing returning. The downtown Lee Summit Farmer's Market is set to open next week. That's April 10th. That's a week from this coming Saturday. And look, just a quick note for now. While we are all still operating under the county's distancing guidelines, the market will continue in its temporary home out at Abundant Life Church. And let's just, hey, let's just throw another quick good on you out to those folk out there who have offered up space again for us to have the farmer's market out there um, where we can get all of the vendors. Because because of the guidelines, if we, if we kept it in its usual spot near downtown, uh, we we wouldn't be able to have all of the vendors and all of the people. Right. So that's a good thing. Good on Abundant Life. Good on Main Street for finding a way through the process again this year. Excellent. Little, little shout out to Ashley Knoll, the assistant director at Downtown Main Street, who um, she pretty much controls all the reins for this event. And it's a it's a big job. She does a great work with it. Her her farmer her farmer herding uh, capacities <laughs> are are legendary, as it were. So all right. So look. The big thing, and this is another. Is thing. there something again, big coming up, Jason? COVID has left me completely uncapacitated to deal with like relative time, and and it suddenly occurred to me as we were preparing for this that like election day is literally less than a week from when you hear this podcast. It is next to this coming Tuesday, and. So you need to be aware. So like we have our last interview today, which we'll get to. Um, we have one other big, well, big, I'm going to say big issue. I'm going to quote, it's a tax levy issue on the ballot. 
Um, and yeah, Jason, and we have the school board election. I, I want to jump in there real quick because you and I talked about the tax levy question. And again, relative time is weird to remember exactly, but probably a couple months ago when the language was finalized and the council approved um, putting it on the ballot. But really quickly for people, can you give a short – I realize that's a funny question to ask you. But can you give a really short kind of recap of what the people are being asked on this? And, and because the language by law is confusing. It is. Okay. So essentially the, the short version is this is an equivalent in, in a certain way to a no increase – levy question, right? They're not asking whether to increase the amount of taxes that you will pay. What the city is asking is for an approval on the a, a redistribution of where the money can go. So at current, a certain amount of money to goes to the general operating fund, a certain amount is required to go to debt service. And, and there's another piece that I am now blanking on where it goes. Essentially, what they're going to do is make take a little bit of the debt reduction piece and move it over to the general operating piece to give a little bit more money in the general operating fund while not, incre- one, not affecting the city's ability to pay its levy um, bills, as that's an important piece, um, but also, uh, also, but then give a little bit more flexibility in the general operating fund. This is one of, I think, a multitude of steps that the, the city staff is trying to put together to cobble together the coming shortfalls in the budget as we, as we move forward is to figure out where are additional sources of revenue. For instance, we pass the, the sales tax on, uh, internet purchases at the local, the local tax on internet purchases at the, um, recently we have the, and now we have this little reallocation as we go forward. So you'll see probably another step of in these processes somewhere coming in the number of months as we try to figure out how to how to balance the books going forward for the city. Was that short, Nick? Uh, that was actually I didn't even have to cut you off once. I'm 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 proud of you. You know, after I, after four years growth. or so of this, personal growth, Nick. <laughs> All about personal growth. Well, look, hey, the big thing everybody's been talking about for this election, I mean, there's really only two things on the ballot, um, but the big thing everybody's been talking about ha- has been the the four candidates uh, vying for two seats on the Lee Summit R7 Board of Education. And in the previous three weeks, Jason, we have heard from candidates Roderick Sparks, Ryan Murdoch, and Christine Bushyhead. And in just a few minutes, we'll, we will get to the fourth and final candidate interview, and that's with Michelle Serber. I am going to give a quick reminder. There is a fifth candidate, air quotes, Monty Helm. However, he ceased his campaigning to throw his support behind two of the other candidates. Jason, there have been some – look, we've – we don't ask every candidate the same questions, but we do try to keep the theme of the conversations the same. And and it's been interesting, I think, to hear the different approaches and, and maybe the best way to put this is prioritizations uh, from the candidates as, as we brought these up. Yeah. Uh, I mean, so we, you know, like, you know, behind the curtain here, this will this will come as a shock to no one. But Nick and I have opinions. Um, on on some of the major issues, and so we asked some questions, some broader questions to the candidates in the in the candidate surveys about what issues um, they find important of these issues. What are their relative priorities? How do you respond to this, that, and the other? Those sorts of things. And we took that information and we did there. So we kind of figured, you know, and our conversations took on a path of of three or four major 
um, talking points. And and, and, we, and, and we come up, we come about those from uh, you know what we think, obviously from our perspectives are important. But I think it's also based on Jason on what we're seeing, you know, in social media forums, what we're hearing people talk about as we, you know go grab our morning coffees somewhere. I, I, it's kind of a combination of, of, of all of those things that we try to get, you know, what's everybody talking about? What's, what are people concerned about? And then we just, we want to put it to those, to, to those candidates so that people can really hear that kind of feedback because not everybody gets that opportunity to, to, to talk to a candidate one-on-one. Absolutely. So we covered some of these major ones. So one of the ones that we wanted to make sure we touched is like how the district did in their response to the COVID uh, pandemic and, and the the virtual hybrid and in-person schooling models and all that. And there were some, I would say, some differences in the reviews of how the district did over that. And you can listen to those interviews and see those. Uh, another one that comes up, I think, on a regular basis that the that the candidates always talk about uh, was communication. And we tried to dive into that a little bit to try to to really hold people to account for making sure that that wasn't just a meaningless talking point that they wanted to throw out there and then ignore once they were elected. Yeah, um, I always I always want to ask that question, like, how do you really want to do better at it? Because every look. Every candidate in every election <laughs> for every office says, well, they're just not talking to the people. <laughs> right. And so I, we try to, to maybe just pin them down a little bit. Right. Uh, you'll see, you know, we, we talked about um, the role of the board. Um, that's one that we, you know, I think some, like maybe some people in the voting audience, none of our listeners, of course, because our listeners are highly educated um, and on top of all the issues. But other uh, people in the community who maybe don't understand what the actual relatively limited role of the board is uh, in the management of the school district. And we want to make sure that people understood that or and then and, and dig into some of the differences in how people like viewed that, even that limited role um, there. So you can pay attention to those. And then finally, we asked the equity question, um, the one that has been, you know, for what, three years. This is the third year, really, of really that being a, a prominent question that we deal with. And we had some pretty, I would say, striking differences um, in the ways that uh, people wanted to deal with equity, the equity process, the plan that way. I mean you know, from people who think we're doing a good job to run, kind of run it forward, keep doing it to people who thought, you know, maybe we need to scrap the thing and start over um, with a different equity plan. So there was a wide range of things that you'll hear and you have heard in these interviews that you that you can deal with that. And you can you can really start to see some of those differences in the candidates. I, I, I liked hitting that topic again, I think, because it really after really being the forefront for, like you said, the last two or, or, or three years or so, it kind of had to take a back seat because of the pandemic stuff, right? Like it just kind of got pushed backward just a, just a little bit. There was stuff happening in the background that I think not everybody um, in the community was aware of, but very obviously most of what anyone was thinking about when it came to school was, you know, is my kid at home? Is my kid going to school? What did we choose? What did the board choose? So I, I thought this was a great opportunity, Jason, for us to talk to each of these candidates about that topic and get their feels and uh, feelings and, uh, and approaches to it. I think you're right. Uh, each of the each of the four candidates that we talked to had a very different uh, approach and perspective on that on that conversation, and, and it's been interesting. And I think a good way for people to take a look at at those candidates and 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 find the differences before they make their choices. 
So you can go back uh, on on your favorite podcast app or on the website, link to leesummit.com. You can hear the interviews. With, Download repeatedly, people. Yes, you can hear those interviews with Roderick Sparks, Ryan Murdoch, and Christine Bushyhead. And here we have now our interview with candidate Michelle Serber. We are here with Michelle Serber, candidate for the Lee Summit R7 School Board. Michelle, how are you today? I'm good. Thank you. How are you guys? Uh, we're doing, I think we're doing okay. Nick, you can, I'll, I'm going to speak for Nick actually on this one and say we're great. Sure. Great. That'll work. All right. So Michelle, we're going to start you off with one of our softer, softer pitches. Uh, That's a tough one. Is it? Okay. Online. It's a tough one. Why are you running? Why am I running? Um, I ask myself that every day, actually. Um, I, well, I'm new to the city. Um, I'm new to Missouri. <laughs> Um, but I'm not new new to um, trying to better my community and trying to strengthen um, children's lives. And school is part of it. I have two children in the district, um, so it affects me personally as a parent. Um, but also, it's it's just what I've done for years is try and um, work within my community to strengthen it. And if I see something that's broken, I I really try to fix it and I just want to be a help. So I, I um, kind of jumped in in December and thought that it would be a really great idea. <laughs> um, and I still am very dedicated to helping. Didn't think it would be as divisive as it is, but um, uh, you know, every day is a new challenge. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, off air, you should, you should, you should approach Jason sometime and talk to him about his love of being a candidate. <laughs> uh, there must be there will make there will need to be whiskey involved with any such conversations i'll say it that well, that's okay that's okay whiskey's good in its own it's in its own setting <laughs> well you, you just brought up something there and i think i think it is it's interesting to ask you, you are relatively new to the community um so and you just said if you see things that are broken you want to fix them you know, what were some things that you saw, I guess, some specifics that you that stood out to you and said, I want to get involved because of this? To be completely honest, it was the um, the school closures that happened in November when they kind of waffled a little bit. Um, they were brought back and then they went virtual again. Um, the transparency there for the public just wasn't there. And I saw an immediate distrust. Um, with fellow parents. Um, and I just, I, I thought that I would be um, good. At, I, I'm very transparent. I'm very open. I'm very honest um, about, you know, everything, even when it comes to, to my work. Um, you know, if, if I have to make a hard decision at work, my staff know the reason why. Um, and, you know, it may not be a, a, a favorite. It may not um, make everybody happy. Uh, but at least they know the story. They know the reason why. And I think when that happened in November, I was really, as a parent, um, as an and as a community member, I was thinking, you know, it just seems vague. That the reasoning is vague. Yes, we are dealing with, um, you know, this pandemic, and we're dealing with restrictions all over the place. But we had just heard that things were going fairly well just a couple of days ago. <laughs> Um, what really happened? Is it is it because of the increase in COVID positives or is it because 
we just don't have enough subs because of the quarantining issue. And if they had been honest, I think the public would have been a little bit more forgiving and understanding of the reasons why. Um, and then maybe pulling in that community and finding out, you know, we know there are children who don't um, do well in a virtual setting. How can we make sure that these kids are getting the education they deserve, while the ones who really flourish in a in a virtual setting can go virtual and and be fine with it. Um, and what can we do as a community? The the board could have, in my opinion, could have really pulled in the community and made the best decision for all children, um, not just what was best for the school district um, or or the decision that they thought was the best for the school district and, and what they needed to do at the time. Um, and that discussion wasn't there, that, um, that back and forth between, you know, here's here's the hard information we just don't have enough teachers going around so we're going to go virtual but make bass available all day long which made no sense to the community because that why wasn't there um and i i think then it was just i i sat and told my husband i said they're not they're not telling the community the story like why there's got to be a reason there's got to be a reason because you can't say it's because positives are increasing when bass is appropriate. Um, so if it's unsafe to be in a classroom, why is it not unsafe to be in Bass? Like it's in the same building. Um, just tell us the why. And I think right then and there, I um, I decided that I I wanted to jump in and, and be that voice and, and just try and bring that dialogue. Um, so it wasn't a unilateral decision by, you know, seven people, but a real community decision. I mean, I, I, I want to ask this, and this is just kind of where my, my brain goes on. If we operate on the assumption that mm -hmm. that we will be in a more normal school year next year, yeah. um, if, ele if elected, you'll be, you'll be jumping into office at the end of an academic year. But if we operate on the assumption that we are in a more normal school year next mm -hmm. time ar ar around, did you, have you seen things that make you feel like that, that lack of transparency extends beyond the issue uh, of of the in-person versus virtual and that, that, that particular thing that we dealt with so much this year. Yes, I, I do. I, I think um, in, in watching all of the, the board meetings virtually, obviously, um, and just being a part of the community over this past year, uh, it's more than just the, the COVID decision and the, the, the closure de decision. Um, I, I, I think that this board and, and it's just, sometimes it's just natural um, but I think this board has a, um, they take advice from the superintendent. We have a, a report that they, that he gives out, um, and decisions are made, but they don't, they make the decision before ever really bringing it to the community. Um, and it's a public education. It's, it's public school. Uh, it's taxpayer funded. And, um, and I think these bigger decisions, um, in terms of budget, curriculum, um, it, you name it, it needs to be, it needs to be something that the whole community buys in. Because if you have, you know, a, a, a section of the community that's just separated or, um, or, or disadvantaged in any way because of your decisions, then, then you're not, um, you know, giving education to the public the way you're supposed to. You're not making the decisions that you should. 
So how have you seen, um, so you, you obviously have raised this, this issue of trust and you made that a couple of, uh, raised that a couple of times in your questionnaire answers. How have you seen that further manifesting, uh, not just in the Cerber household, um, but also I think in the, in the broader community and, and what do you think that you can do structurally? I mean, you talk about, we need to make this a community, uh, you need to get more of the community's buy-in before these bigger decisions. How do you see yourself doing that? Uh, bringing it to the community. If we have something that um, that involves, you know, a major decision, um, whether that be um, hiring a superintendent or, um, you know, things that, that we know that will most likely probably need a vote on it, um, or if we need to make a, a change to curriculum or talking about the education gap. How are we going to do that? Um, there are so many ways to um, ask questions of the community to get their, um, their feeling, their understanding, where they're at, how, what, what ideas they might have. And then as a board, we can look at all of that information, take in all of that information and base our decisions on much more than just a, a, a very small subset of information that we might get from the superintendent or from teachers. We need to get it from everybody, teachers and and parents and students, um, and and really look at all of the different ideas. Um, because to, in my mind, to give students the foundation they deserve in a public education um, school district, you have to. Um, think outside the box sometimes to make sure, because there's not a lot of funding. Um, so you need to take in all of the information, absolutely everything that you can garner from everybody so that you can maybe partner with a group that you didn't think of to offer a, a subset of education or a different program or a way to, um, you know, a, tutor specific students that may have a, a, a learning disability or um, or have a vocational interest. Those are the ways that that you strengthen um, a school district is by leveraging all of those relationships and all of that information that you can get from a community to ensure that you have absolutely everything that you can utilize in the community um, to help the kids. And, and make sure that they're getting the foundation they deserve. So, so definitely just asking the questions, um, bringing it to a survey, bringing it up to a, a board meeting where it's open and people can come and, and give their responses or um, you know, posting questions to the community to say, hey, we're thinking about this, we'd really like your ideas so that we can make the best decision. How do you weigh and balance all of that input? That's a, that's a lot of input that you're talking about. And, and, and we have talked before on this show about the, the, the roles and relationships that the, the board has. And, and one of those main roles is hiring that superintendent and empowering that superintendent to, to be a decision maker, to be a CEO. How do you weigh then that relationship and the input that you're getting from the superintendent, then with the broad, I'm going to poll everybody in, in the community. And I, and I don't think I'm going out on a limb here when I say you can do a lot of polls from people, but you're not always going to get the most informed answer responses in those no. polls. No. So I, how, I, do you, how do you weigh and balance all of that? 
we're gonna obviously if you're asking um you know an entire community for for information you are going to get the oddball responses um or opinions and you know opinions are about as many as laundry in a family of five um you're you really have to take all of the information that you're given work with the superintendent i think the superintendent should be working with the community as well um but work as a group to go through all of the data that you've garnered all of the the responses weed out the stuff that really makes no sense um and take the good ideas and as a group make that decision but then take that information back to the community and say hey we've got all of this information thank you for being a part of this process um and because of these reasons this is the way that we're going okay you know, and it's it's difficult. It's going to be difficult work. It's going to take a lot. But if we do it, then we have that trust from the community because they know we reach out to them. This is their decision, too. I, I'm going to I'm going to ask one one last follow up on this. This one, you know, we hear every Jason, I've done this for four or five years now. And every election we hear from candidates and we hear from people that that talk about communication, about involving the community. And so I, I always like to ask this one. If you are elected, what yep. can you do differently? What do you think you can do personally to make sure that you are doing a better job of communicating or bringing in that that kind of a voice? Uh, well, I can say that I've been doing it my whole career, so I don't I don't have a problem with with working with the community. Um, I have with the with the programs that I've run, I've needed the community input. I've needed their their buy-in. I've needed their participation um, to to make sure that my programs were growing and thriving, and that the um, individuals that were receiving services um, received them in an open and um, safe environment. Um, because I did work with underserved populations. Um, and still do. So, um, so really involving the community in every aspect of my life, that's, that's pretty normal for me. Um, and, um, and I love it. I love bringing the community together. It's not even just the, the school board aspect of it. It's, it's the community aspect of it for me. So, um, like I, I want to, to bring a more cohesive and loving environment to Lee Summit creating the the events that would, will bring people together that are learning experiences, cultural experiences, um, and something that Lee Summit can share from a, an array of different areas, um, art walks and um, music festivals and things that, that are all locally um, uh, garnered, all the local um, musicians and poets. And, and so we can learn about each other and we can um, celebrate all of the wonderful things that people of Lee Summit can do. So you you mentioned in the in your last answer about working with underserved populations, um, and in your in your relative prioritization of some of the topics that we that we put in the survey. To be fair, uh, you your lowest of the priorities that you listed was uh, continuing to work on the equity plan, which I think sort of. If we, if I, you know, I will, I'll generalize slightly. Is is aimed to help a lot of our underserved populations within the district. 
Additionally, that's been labeled in the past, and and, and I say this: that everything is you know tinged with. Uh, we we have to look through everything with COVID-colored glasses these days, um, which ruins your vision because COVID ruins everything. COVID <laughs> ruins everything. Uh, but you, how do you square, or how are you planning to take that? Obviously, the board has up through now made made equity or the advancement on the equity plan literally their number one priority um, as their overall work and and you would be coming in with I think a professed somewhat lower priority statement on that how do you how do you manage to square that and and maintain or build a good relationship with the board yeah um, I am not in disagreement with the board that equity is important I do believe that equity is important I don't like their plan. Um, I think it's single minded. There's not enough to it. It doesn't have any real meat to it. Um, yes, it has the, the equity training for teachers and students, um, but trainings never really teach and it never touches people. And I think we need to go about equity completely differently. I think we need to really touch the hearts of the children and the staff um, by storytelling, which is how we learn, which is how we um, as humans uh, relate to each other and learn compassion and have empathy. Um, and you, you know, you can see throughout history, you know, or, or even in your own life. Um, I bet if I asked you, if you remembered uh, your favorite class in high school, uh, there would be something in that um, that would be related to storytelling, either a story touched your heart or they used storytelling to teach you something, um, because that's how we learn. And that's how, how, um, we base our relationships, reciprocal speaking. I'm sorry. I just, I wanted to follow up. I, I was, uh, taken aback you you said that that's single it was a two single track what what track are you referring to when you say that for the equity plan yeah yeah um the only thing that i read really in the equity plan um is that they're having the trainings the ongoing trainings um and and trainings are great if they're if they're to train you on cpr <laughs> um but even in CPR, I've taken CPR, you know, every two years for the past 20. Um, but I would feel horrible if I ever actually had to use it because I don't think that I'm very good at it, um, even though I've sat in the training that many times. Um, I think we need to do more. It's not that I don't think it's important. I think we need to do more. Um, and basing everything on a training is just I just don't get it. I don't understand it. I don't. Go ahead. Well, I, I was I, I was struck by the thing you said earlier, where you said you said you thought it needed more meat, and the example that you gave was 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 storytelling, and I and, and I'm kind of curious what you actually mean by that. But how what you know what for you what would be the storytelling aspect of it? I guess I guess what's the meat you think is missing? Uh, actually touching the hearts of the teachers and students involved. So I would rather have ongoing, very large auditorium visits with students and teachers telling their stories. Why has it been hurtful to come to school and hear slanderous things or, or mean, hurtful 
um, words coming out of individuals' mouths? Or what does it feel like to come to school and be the only person that that is the that is your color? Um, or you know how whatever whatever the case may be, or the only um, person having gender issues or or questioning their gender um, or sexuality. Those are the types of things that you know when when you are talking with someone. Um, and you hear these stories, you hear their stories, you feel their pain. It touches you a lot more than just sitting in a classroom, having someone talk at you and tell you that you have, um, you know, you're not, you're not paying attention or you're not listening to, to what people are feeling. Um, tell the story. Why? Tell the why. Tell the why. Let me let me ask this. I'm gonna to try to link together an earlier part of the, part of this conversation um, because you 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 were talking earlier about um, more input and and involving people in the community. So last summer there was a a rather well traveled social media thread um, called oh, now now I'm trying to draw a blank the the our struggle our struggles LSRN R seven sorry. Um, yes. That went through went through Twitter, and that was a lot of people telling those stories, the stories that you were just you were just talking about. So, if you had been an elected member of the the board of education at that moment, how do you, how would you have been on the dais and maybe brought that discussion to a more public point, or would you have? Exactly the way that I I described, I would ask them if they would be willing to tell their stories at school. You know, in the auditorium, um, because it, it's social media is great, <laughs> uh, but sometimes when you have those little tiny tidbits of information, um, it's very easy for the people on the other side who don't um, that are okay with being mean on social media uh, because you're not face to face with someone. It's it's easier to disrespect their feelings, I think, because you're not right in front of that person. Um, but if we were to sit down as a community, as a school, um, and share those stories together, we would find similarities. You would listen to someone and I would hear something that I've felt before or that I know my child has felt before or a, a loved one um, and feel compassion and empathy for that person for what they've gone through and listen to their strength for being able to bring it out to the public. Um, and those, that's how we find that oneness. That's how we find that friendship um, and camaraderie and understanding um, by listening and by sharing the stories. I can I can give you an example of just my own personal. Um, and I don't know how long you want this to be, but so um, my my best friend happens to be biracial. He's half black and half Mexican. We've been best friends since 2013. We work together in Ventura. Love him to death. His name is James. Um, and we pretty much know everything about each other. And he knows that I have very varied likes in music. I love music, but I have very, very, not many people like my music. Um, and, and I know that I don't like his music. Uh, but 
for years we were going back and forth about me disliking rap because I don't understand it. They talk too fast. Um, and usually the, to the topics are not something that I like to listen to. I'm a love song person. I love love songs. I will listen to them all day. Um, but so we, one day we were talking and he said, you know, you've got, you've got to listen to Tupac. You've got to listen to Proud Mary. I said, James, you know, I'm not going to listen to Tupac. I'm sorry. <laughs> I have not, I don't, I would, I'm never even going to understand it. He said, no, 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 get the lyrics and listen to it. I said, okay, I will listen to Tupac if you listen to Frank Sinatra. So I made him listen to one of my songs. And then I sat down and listened to Proud Mary reading the lyrics. <laughs> um, and at the end of the song, I was crying and I was angry because I don't know if you know what that song is about, but um, you know, it's, a, it's about a, a mother who's a drug addict and a child who's dealing with that. Um, and I was angry. I was angry for that child. I felt bad for him. Oh my gosh, my heart broke for this child. And the strong that the song was, was more about forgiving the mother and, and making it okay almost. Um, and so I went back to James and I said, James, you've got to be kidding me. Really? I, this song was horrible. I felt so bad at the end of it. And he didn't understand. He was like, what are you talking about? That was such a great song. And the more we talked about it, the more I realized his background is very similar. And he found strength in that knowledge and in that song where I felt empathy because it was something that I don't think a child should ever have to go through. He felt strength because there was someone else who had gone through it and made it on the other side and was better for it. And I learned why those songs meant so much to him because I listened and I heard him and I heard the song. And now I know now when I, when I listen to anything like that, um, I know they're created for a reason. I didn't understand the reason for rap at first. And because I was open, because I listened, because I talked to James and we have this dialogue of storytelling, I was able to learn something that in my background, I never would have understood. And that is what we need in this community. We need people to listen and others to tell their story so that we can get to a point where we're all okay and open and honest and sharing. And we don't have this division because all of us come from a different background, even, even in your own family. I can talk to every single one of my brothers and sisters, and we all have a different take on how we were raised. Um, well, but... keeping, keeping that in mind and, and, and thinking about your 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 previous two responses to to our to our questions, there, uh -huh. um, you know, we talked a lot about kind of more programmatic ideas, right? Of, of of your thoughts on doing things. But what I want to do is I want to then let's, let's look at then from the role, the perspective, and role of a a, a board member. Yeah. Um, you know, how do you think you can actually implement change? Like, what do you see as the role of the board in those things? Because, you know, 
a board usually operates from a more 30,000 foot level than actually coming up with the programming and this thing. So, so what do you think your role is as a board member in that, in those kind of discussions and the, in planning and thinking about the future? Um, and just that bringing that information, bringing those ideas to the superintendent and to the principals of the schools and, um, you know, gaining buy-in from the individuals who really will be implementing those programs um, and bringing them to the students and to the teachers. Um, and, you know, ideas, sharing ideas, brainstorming ideas. Um, you know, yes, board members tend to be just, as you said, up at the level making decisions, but that doesn't mean it always has to be to that point where we can be a, a board that brainstorms with a superintendent on ideas on how to to bring the plan alive. It's not just a, a, a you know a, a sit down training. It's it's actually a living, breathing thing that is happening, and it's hand in hand with the education gap problems that we're having. You know, we we need to bring the services and the programs to the students, but we also need to bring the compassion um, and the stories to the to the students. And together we can do that, um, but we have to work together. And so bringing the ideas to the superintendent, bringing them to the teachers, going to the teachers, working with teachers and saying, how can we make this alive? How can we bring this plan to life in your classrooms, to your schools, what will that look like? And work together to plan it out. All right, Michelle, then we're going to, we're going to wrap it up with our most important question. Oh, um, the only question we asked in this interview that has a correct answer. So if we were to come to you with two plates mm -hmm. in hand, in one hand, we have a plate full of hamburgers and the other hand, we have a plate full of tacos and we offered you the choice of one of these, which one would you pick? What kind of tacos? I will let your imagination run wild. Ooh. I'm going to go with the tacos. That is the correct that answer. That is the correct answer. Well done. <laughs> this, is, this, this podcast is officially Team Taco on that, but we, are, we, we have to ask the, our, our prospective public officials if they are on the right side of history. Oh, and you, have, you have come down correctly. So well done. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you very much. At least I got the tacos right. I might get everything else wrong. <laughs> really? That's what I care about. What most. else? It's, 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 what, nothing else matters. It's fine. It's all fine. Michelle Serber, thank you for your time uh, today, and also for for your time in running for office. I, that is a that is a big deal in and of itself to put your name in the hat and run. So, as we say to everyone, good luck on on the campaign and the rest of it. And that will wrap us up for today's episode. We'll talk to everybody next time. 